Trying to get that signal out there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Get Realisms podcast. I'm Adam Chase Rennie. Today uh, is, a, is a pretty good day, actually. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty hot here in Austin. It's like you know, we're pushing like past the hundreds. And uh, it's pretty fucking hot. So I hope uh, you guys are doing good. All my California friends, what's up? And we actually do have a California friend with us right now. Ladies and gentlemen, LA-based hair and makeup special effects artist and all-around gangsta, straight up G, <laughs> the dopest of the dope, wildest of the wild. Ladies and gentlemen, Roxanne McDaniel. Hi, Roxanne. So I'm now Californian. Like I've lost my Texas title now. Yeah, you're you're Californian now, so you're gonna start saying hella at any point. By the way, I still I still say hella, and I I would I didn't really truly understand me saying hella like in a in a you know like a conversation with someone who is from Texas to be so taken aback from that by a word that essentially is a made up word that I don't think is a made-up word because everyone I knew who I grew up with, even my family, says hella. Uh, I'm just used to it, you know? But uh, that's the, that's the uh, it's like the, uh, oh, oops. Someone left. Oh, Roxy left. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I went on. Let me tell you something, Roxy. I went on for like another five more minutes, and I didn't even know you left. I went on, just kept going. I, I was firing off. I was like, I have another thing, Roxy. You don't need me. You got this. Just do your whole show by yourself. We'll just, here's what we'll do. I'm like a real Joy Behar from The View, just like taking over the conversation. Let me tell you something. <laughs> We're just going to get a couple of cardboard cutouts of a couple people and we'll set them up in front of a camera and just <sighs> now and then wiggle them so it looks like they're nodding their heads and you'll be great. That's the plan for next week. I think I'm going to start doing that. I think I'm, I'm going to start doing that. Just have like cardboard cutouts and just like pre-record the interviews and just me like off frame, just like having the sticks doing this, like showing that yeah. I'm talking and shit. <laughs> yeah, that's plan. Utterly ridiculous. Um, so, Ro <laughs> Roxy, thank you for joining. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I appreciate you. Um, so, we were talking literally just minutes before uh, minutes before I started talking to myself. <laughs> um, uh, hair and makeup union. So, yes. every department has essentially a union. Right? Is that fair to say? For the most part, yeah. There's a couple of them that get like. There's a couple of weird ones, but yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, there's definitely a couple of weird ones, but for the most part, almost every department has their respective unions, and uh, in order to get into that respective union, well, we can. I mean, let's. I, yeah, let's just use hair and makeup for an example. How how is your experience getting into that union? Like, I I'd assume like experience has to come before even applying, right? So I've not yet gotten into the union. I've started right. the okay. early days of figuring it out. Um, the other important thing to note is that 
for certain states will have their own union. Um, certain regions have a separate union. The one I'm trying to get into is the local 706, which is the California Hair and Makeup Artist Union. So that's everything I will be talking about is specifically for that union. Right. Um, different okay. rules and all that sort of stuff. Um, the fun thing for me is it's one of the hardest ones to get into. So okay. you need either 30 days of union work. So best case scenario is you get hired for a production and then suddenly partially through it flips and becomes a union show. You're, if you're on it for 30 days at that point, congratulations. You have enough hours and days to get into the union. Mm -hmm. Then you apply. You have to submit a bunch of stuff, submit some paperwork, um, and then spend, it's either, it's between seven and eight grand to get in at that point. Just to, hang on, is just to apply or to get in? To get in. Like, that gotcha. is your, like, initiation fee. Whoa. Yep. So, so wait, how, how can anyone, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> That's crazy. Like $8,000 to just get in. That's just nuts. That is the best case scenario is that whole wow. thing of events. Uh, no matter what to get in, you're going to spend that much money. But yeah, that is like winning the lottery is getting a show that flips. Right. Um, <clears throat> the other way you can get in is by getting your, it's, 60, 60 and three, I think is what the term is called, which is where you have for, you need three years that you get 60 non-union days in the span of five years. Okay. Gotcha. With the thing of only certain kinds of productions count. Oh, so like music videos don't count and... If they are shown on a major network. Really? So if you do music video that is YouTube technically a major network? Unless so, if it is a paid subscription channel, mm. it counts. So if you just make a short film, doesn't get into festivals or anything, you put it up on YouTube, will not count. Won't count. You make mm. a short film. And it gets like, what is it, YouTube Red? Is that the one you yeah. have to pay for? If it gets put on YouTube Red, it'll count. But with short films, that only counts if it's over, I think, 40 minutes. Um, you have mm. to be paid at least minimum wage. If you mm. get on the call sheet put as hair and makeup and not just hair or makeup, only half the days will count because they're two separate positions. Um, what's some of the other... Fair enough. Let's see. Short films are weird. Um, commercials. Commercials depend. It depends. Yeah, it depends on the corporation, all that. Yeah. A lot of times, basically, what I've had some people say is keep everything, submit everything, knowing maybe one-third of what you submit will count. And that, and you're also that right there, that's, that tells you everything. Like you have to have n not only experience, but you have to have a shit ton experience, you know, because half of that experience won't even count towards the, towards the, even the union, you know? 
So, wow, that's wild, Roxy. It's wild. And then even once you're in it, then you kind of almost reset to where a lot of makeup artists that I know what they've told me is the hardest thing for them was they worked so hard to get into the union. Because of course, for those who don't know, the big appeal of the union is that number one, you get your retirement, you get pension, you get health benefits. Um, you also typically get kind of like a guarantee base pay, which is significantly more most of the time than you're going to get on an indie film. Um, but the problem is you're very dependent on other makeup artists in the union hiring you. So if you've spent the past, you know, four or five years working your way through the trenches to get into the union, but you haven't been able to work with any union makeup artists, you basically restart to day one of trying to connect with people and build that network up to get right. those people to be calling you. Mm -hmm. And then from it's that point on, you have to only work unionized sets. Kind of. Kind of? Okay. You're supposed to prioritize union sets is my understanding. I've heard I some see. people say that you that makes sense, actually. Some people, they're like, no, nah, you can do non-union. You just keep it very quiet. Some people are like, oh, yeah, no, you take non-union. But if you get an offer for a union job, you have to take that union job. Right. By, by proxy. Yeah. Yeah. So that okay. thing. Um, you also always want to prioritize union jobs mm -hmm. because to maintain your union status, you have to have so many days and hours. Gotcha. Okay. Like if you, let's say a year goes by and you don't hit the full amount that you need, mm -hmm. you aren't kicked out of the union. However, you don't have your health care benefits anymore because you're not like maintaining your membership. Right. So your benefits go away essentially. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Well, and also like I would assume people, especially hair and makeup artists would want to go to the union for insurance purposes as well. You oh, yeah. know, it, it just, it makes sense that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's always positives and negatives with unions, you know? Uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's definitely wild though, to, to have all that experience. And then to know that maybe a third of it, if you've been in the game for long enough, maybe a third of it will get passed through the, uh, through the pipeline in, in the union, you know? Um, and then after that, you, you can only accept those union. I mean, of course, like the off union jobs there, there are some, but for the most part, you can't accept like student films, <laughs> you know, you can't like, you can't do like tiny little things, you know, which is, I guess, cool because that means, you know, in the industry, you're, you know, a high paying, you're, you, you have a reputation, like you have a resume, you, you've been working on them, them big sets and shit like that, you know? Uh, so yeah, I know there's positive negatives with it, but yeah. I know with your experience, you're just, so at this point, you're just trying to get that experience. Yeah. Like yeah. I've started cause you have to, the best jobs to work when you're trying to get into the union are jobs that go through a payroll company. Okay. Those are the best because they're the easiest ones to get to count. Cause typically you just contact the payroll company 
you ask them for a verification letter, they send you a verification letter, and that letter says, here's how many days you worked, here's your position, here's your rate of pay, here's the kind of production it was. So it makes it where you don't have to fight as hard because it's like, look, this company over here, they just said everything that you needed to know and gave me an official letter. Right. That's easier. Um, what was your question? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I don't remember either. <laughs> that was, uh, but yeah. But, oh, that was, I had a question, but go ahead. What, were you, yeah. what was your point? Well, I was going to say, so for me, I'm at the point that I've contacted various payroll companies to start getting my letters. And I'm now working on like an Excel spreadsheet to start like figuring out where I am, how much more I need and all that. Uh, COVID I has of course, thrown a fun curveball at everybody. Um, so I have a few friends that I feel so bad for them because in February they're like, cool, as long as I get 20 more days this year, I'm in. Uh-huh. Oh no. Yeah, because then once March hits, everyone was home. Yeah, that sucks. So, longer the situation goes on, like, it's now getting to the point where, you know, before they were like, cool, I have 10 months to get 20 days. That'll count towards that 60-day total or whatever. Man. And now it's just like, ooh, that's... That's a ball buster. Yeah. That, that, that hurts. That hurts a lot. And of course, like, you know, no one plans a pandemic. We know, we understand, but at the same time, there's gotta be a statute of limitations, right? Like you can't just, you can't just say like, well, you guys didn't put in that experience. So I mean, you snooze, you lose that you have, it's three years in the span of five years. Right. So there's like, yeah, it's just, it depends on how long this goes. Um, I'm hoping that maybe they add some sort of like amendment that if your five years falls with 2020 in it, that either it's a lower count for this year or that they say, well, it's three years and six years if 2020 falls in that five year span. Yeah, that's what I have a feeling. Like, I feel like people are just going to take this year as like a shot year. Like, they're just going to. They're just like, this is an empty year. We're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna pretend this never happened. <laughs> I'm on board with that plan, man. Cause 2020 is a wash at this point. I'm there with you. It's a wash. It's a straight up, it's a straight up wash. But I wanted to ask you though. So you said you're trying to apply for section 706, right? Uh, local 706. Lo local 706. Why is that the hardest local in all of LA. I think what it is, is that, and it's what there's, there's several that are hard, but I know like I've been talking to DPs and when I've mentioned like, yeah, you know, I want to go 706. They're like, Oh God, good luck with that. Yeah. Like, right. But a DP is recognized like, that's a hard one to get into. That's when you're like, fuck my life. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what it is, is that it's just a very, there's a lot of makeup artists at the end of the day. Um, truthfully, getting into makeup you don't actually need that much training as long as you can as long as you know how to do makeup and you learn on the job there's no like gatekeeping to keep people out so compared to a lot of other positions it's actually relatively easy to start working in film as a makeup artist on the indie side mm -hmm. so i think that's why they've made it so hard is that 
it's a way of weeding people out. And that's with every union. That's why they have their rules in place typically is that they're trying to weed out the people that don't meet their standards, that don't play by their rules. Because, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But there is also kind of like a status that goes with being a union makeup artist. Right. So being able to say your union makeup artist means something and they want to make sure that they're not kind of watering down that title by being like, yeah, no, anyone can get in. Sure, yeah, you pay this money, you're a union makeup artist. Because you see that with various organizations. So you start as elite, and then they kind of keep lowering and lowering the standards, and then before it's like, oh, well, yeah, it used to mean something being part of that. Now it's just whatever. Because if anybody can get in, yeah, it just sort of defeats the purpose. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's interesting, though. And I I feel like that probably goes that for saying for most unions, right? Like, because I mean, if anybody can do cinematography, people would join the union. Mm-hmm. You know, if people can do hair and makeup, they would just, they would just do it, you know, but that's the fundamental difference between people who want to do it versus people who want to make that their career or their life, you know? Um, yeah. That's fascinating because yeah, th- those are the people who want to make that their vocation you know their their uh their job and um it costing so much to get in like yeah you are damn sure committed to being a makeup artist for the rest of your life if you're gonna spend seven grand on it you're gonna spend seven grand and also you're gonna spend your time getting all of the experience like as much experience as you fucking can get if that means you have to book like seven jobs in a row and not sleep for like a month (laughs) fuck it you know you kind of you kind of have to hustle do it yeah you know and i i think we're all i mean at least for me i know there's some people who are thriving in this fucking quarantine i don't know who but i know there's some people and god bless them for them who who are but, um, you know, your boy's not working as much as, as he wants to, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those times where it, it kind of comes to show you, it's like, oh yeah, this is where, this is where you understand yourself as a human being, whether or not you want to do this. You know what I mean? Like imagine the people who do want to do hair and makeup versus the people who thought they want to do hair and makeup and realize how much fucking work it is to get into that union. And they're like, yeah, I want to make this my career. It's like, okay, bitch, but you, are you ready to put in the time and the money? Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. And I mean, that's one of the big things right now is that, and this is something I do believe that bef- you should kind of figure out what you want with your career. Mm-hmm. And that's for any department because you can make a living working non-union productions mm. depending on the area you live in depending on the skills that you have um like there's people that all they want to do is web content they just want to make youtube videos which is great and that's fine if that's what gives you joy and you're able to make enough money doing that awesome if that's all you want don't spend the time working on going union because you probably won't get as much from it as someone else who wants to work on theatrical films. Like it really is you have to decide what your long-term goals are for making that kind of decision, I think. 
Just because, like you yeah. said, it's such a both financial and a time investment. Well, I mean, is it fair to say like a union's almost like a safety net in a way? If Financially was, and insurance-wise, you know? Yeah. I mean, because just it's so hard to get into. I think it sounds terrible. Mm. Uh, it's easier to just get married to someone that doesn't work in the industry and has a normal job and get on their insurance than it is to go union. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I, 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 yeah, I get what you mean. And I think you get what I mean too, because yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, you got to pick and choose your, the way you want to live, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I definitely lived at a time where I had no insurance and let me tell you something, it's not great. It's, you know, it's, you're, you're stuck worrying all the time. You're sick and you're like, well, I don't, I hope this is uh this is a cold and it'll pass, you know? Uh, I and actually got like a physical uh -huh. like last week. Yeah, it dude. First time in like seven to eight years I'd gotten one. And uh, yeah, there is a laundry list of things that are like, cool. Yep. So let's talk about life changes. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Before I left California, I did a physical. And before then, the last physical I took, I was like, uh, I was 20, I, I was 22 when I took my last physical and, or t I'm sorry, no, 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 20, uh, 20, 24. I was 24, 24. And uh, the physical before that, I was 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was uh, oh no, you're good, um, but yeah, like I, I I get I get what you're saying. Like the physicals, I never I never think about doing that because I always thought to myself, hey, yeah, I don't need a doctor. I I, I know I'm fine, but uh, at the same time, yeah, no, you you definitely want to you definitely want to get checked up, and yeah, you start to know. Oh, look at that puppy! Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, physicals to me, um, especially for insurance, like, yeah, they're, they're important, but yeah, like there's sometimes there's some people who just can't fucking afford that. And there are just some people who are like, fuck it. Like, I just need to keep working. Like, I don't, I can't worry about this shit. Insurance is important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important, but I feel like there's so many people out there who just rather just get fucking work done than worry about bitch ass insurance. <laughs> It's fair. That is completely fair. Val. Listen, you know, and you know this, Roxy, adulting fucking sucks. Like, it's... Adulting much. It's too fucking much between taxes, insurance, and fucking, you know. Being in the industry, by the way, doing taxes is a nightmare. It's, it's an absolute nightmare. Spend the money on a CPA that knows the industry. That is my biggest, biggest thing. Um... So when I was in Texas, I had a CPA, and he was a Texas good old boy. Yeah, that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> was a terrible decision. Right. Because I ended up, every year I owed money. And it was just always that thing. My logic was, I was like, as long as it's under 1000 that's how I went into tax season every year. I was like, if I spend less than $1,000 in taxes, I've come out ahead. Wow. Come, moving to L.A., and I got recommendations from other people in the industry of like CPAs they liked. 
went to my CPA here, gave her my information. We talked for a while. And it was also a thing when we were talking, there were things just like, well, do you have something for this? How about these things? Do you spend money on this? And like, she went through a list of things with me to the end. I was like, all right, wow. how much do I owe? And she went, well, here's how much you owe me, but I'll just take that out of your reimbursement. Yeah. But you're wondering like, no, no, no. What would I owe to the government? <laughs> yeah, and she's like, honey, you're getting money back. So I'll just take my money out of your money. I was like, did you just break down in tears? I would break down in tears. I would just be like, oh my God. Lord. Because the person I yeah. had before, he did not understand the industry we worked in. Mm. And the moment that I should have run for the hill. Even though he's a CPA? He was a CPA, but he didn't specialize in film. He was just like a regular CPA. And film is such a weird industry that there's a lot of things that count. Like, as a makeup artist, one of the things I have to buy that is a work tool is literally makeup products. Yeah. The first time I turned in my receipts to him and I had receipts from makeup stores, he was like, does that really count? What are you trying to write off here? Are you fucking shitting me? Are oh, you serious? I was dead serious. And I had to like explain. I was like, well, as a makeup artist. Bitch, that's my job. <laughs> The moment I should have run for the hills from this man was when he made a comment that essentially boiled down to, yeah, you could register as a business, but if you're only going to do this for the next few years until you have kids, I wouldn't bother. Oh, this bitch. This bitch is wild. And You're so right. Like, he's, 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 he's as Texas as, as you can get. <laughs> for sure. That assumed... I just was doing makeup as a fun hobby until I got knocked up. Yeah, you see... So I chose to stay. Like, I can only be so mad at him about it because I still kept going to him for another couple of years because tax season would roll around and I was too stressed out and couldn't be bothered to try and figure out a new solution. Yeah. So it wasn't until I left the state and I was like, well, I have to find someone new. I'm doing this the right way now. Film friends, please tell me who to call. Yeah, <laughs> she's amazing. But uh, yeah, and and you know, no one no one talks about this shit. By the way, no one no one at all talks about like because I I just did my taxes this year. Well, I didn't just do it. Let me let me rephrase that. I did it like a couple months ago. But uh, yeah, while doing it, I was like it just became so complicated. Like I have a tax guy who I work with in California and I just send him my shit. And he, and this year he was like, man, I don't know how to figure out your shit, bro. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he was like, so you work in the industry now? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, okay. And like, he was just like, shit was just complicated for him. It was like, it was like an episode of the X-Files and like David Duchovny is just like sitting there just trying to think and shit. He's just like, he just couldn't process any of it. And he was just like, yeah, you have like W-2s everywhere. You have all this shit and you have, I can't even keep track of any of this. And he was like, uh, he got to the point where he was like, hey man, next year I'm going to refer you to a CPA <laughs> so I don't have to deal with this shit. I'm like, hey. You know, if you could do that, great. <laughs> My mean, tax guy is like, fuck you. I'm not doing your taxes. <laughs> it's so weird and complicated because there's so many. And truthfully, I feel like sometimes a lot of his thing of like 
file it and just fingers crossed that they don't ask you questions. And I was going to do that, but I had a feeling that the IRS is just going to fucking chew my ass up. So I just wanted to play it safe. <laughs> of course. Oh, for, and that's like my CPA, like I said, I really loved her because first year it went in, I like nearly broke down. I was like, Oh, God. oh yeah. Because she was asking, I was like, I don't have a receipt for that. I didn't know I was supposed to be tracking that. And at one point, I think she saw my face. So I was like on the verge of tears. Why does a like, sheet? Yeah. And she was like, this is fine. This is your first year with me. The first year, it's, we're going to be in here for a couple hours talking shit out. We're going to miss some stuff, but you'll learn. The next year, we'll bring that time down because you'll have learned from this year and you'll know what I need from you. I'll have less questions. You'll just hand me papers. She's like, Thir- three, four years in? Typically, my clients don't even have to come in. They just send me a spreadsheet and all the information's there because I've trained them. See, that's what service looks like. Yes. You know? That's why if anyone needs a CPA, hit me up. I will give you her info because I love her. Yo, I might hit you up. She's amazing. Yeah. I mean, no, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. So when I walked in there and I started talking to her, it was a weird moment. I was like, oh God, I am small fry. Cause she was like talking about like full production companies she worked with and producers and directors. And like, it wasn't like they're big names, but it's a thing where it's like, oh, they're giving you things for like 40 employees. And it's like, I'm just me. I'm one person. Yeah. But she, so she was like, I have some receipts from Sephora. <laughs> Pretty much. Like that's what it was. But that's going back to something you said before. I think this is one of the big problems especially like i've talked to other friends that went to makeup school because we've gone i think we talked about this last time i never went to makeup school i was self-taught but i have friends that went to like well look at you getting this experience like a goddamn g homie but one of the big problems with any of these schools whether it's a makeup school whether it's a film school a technical trade school is most of them don't teach you the day-to-day business side of things yeah, and I assume they don't even teach you how to do fucking taxes either. <laughs> That's a business skill. Like, realistically, yeah. knowing how to do your taxes is a business skill because also, once you understand how your taxes work and all that sort of stuff, you then start to learn, like, okay, I can spend a little bit more on this tool that's going to make my job better because so much of that I'm going to get right off of my taxes anyway. So yeah. I might as spend the extra $200 here on this tool that's going to save me this much time because I'm going to get that money back potentially. And it starts right. changing thinking as a business person because yes, we're, we work in film. Mm-hmm. Typically, like we all like to think of ourselves as being artists, but there is another side to it. To be successful as an artist, you need to also have business skills and business knowledge. Yeah, your business acumen has to be there. It really, it truly has to be there. And it, uh, and I didn't realize I had to have it until I was, I am already in the industry, literally like what I just talked about. And for those of you who can't fucking wrap their heads around what we're talking about, um, most people will work a job and they receive usually just one W2 and that W2 is reported in the IRS. And then the IRS takes out the taxes, yada, 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 boom, ba, bing, the end of the year you get your money back they tell you how much you've been paying to taxes how much you get back boom you're done the film industry it's way different way different 
you are accounting for not only your paychecks, but everything you're spending on, everything you're, you own that has any relevance to what you do as a business, you know, what you do. And I say business because there's some people who don't treat it like a business and they just treat it like it is a hobby. And to those people, I have no respect for, but to gangsta ass people like Roxy here, fucking, you know, just knows her shit and just understands that you got to report any and all your shit. So people don't teach no one about how to do taxes when you're in the industry, let alone being hair and makeup artist, you know, but I assume like somebody who's a cinematographer is fucking, you know, breaking their back over this shit too, you know? (laughs) It goes almost every single department, any position, if you are in film at all, you need to have a basic understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Hey, listen, I I wasn't sure what happened, but, you know, it's like the ghost of Christmas past just wanted to fuck your shit up. (laughs) Yeah. So command hooks are not the best thing sometimes. Oh, on Let's drywall? No. Well, no. It's not. Is that drywall? I don't know. But it's just one of the ones that, like, you put the tape on and then it sticks to the wall. Yeah, it works for, like, like a minute. But then no. it, it... Well. Yeah. No, you're right. But it, some you, you just... You got to get the good old-fashioned nails, you know? Yeah, but then I have to commit, and then I have to put holes in the wall, and then I have to pay. Roxy, like, the holes are not even, like, it's not even, Casey can cover it up before y'all move out. Like, that is ridiculous. I hang shit, like, that's why I got my cork board up there, homie, and I got my, you know, whiteboard. I don't want to just, you know, use command hooks. Just hold for the best. To put this up, like, two minutes before we started. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. So no, I, but hey, listen, I love them. I love those pieces. By the way, uh, you want to, we can shout them out if you want. Uh, I know we, we, we already talked about it, but to people who are watching and listening, all, n- n- hey, 98 people are watching this right now, Roxy. See? Well, hi there. Hello, people of Facebook. What, last time I think we had like 20 people? I think like seven, and like three of them are like my cousins from Hawaii. <laughs> it's like, hey, brada. It's because we're actually talking about like the real shit with the business and everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 you know? Because I mean, and this is something like... And we got Instagram questions, by the way. We got oh, Instagram we questions. We do, so yeah. We we do, but I want to talk about your, uh, that, that... Uh, the ghost of Christmas past knocked that shit off your wall. I want to talk about that. <laughs> so speaking of business. Let's get down to business, Roxy. You got a business. Yeah. What's so, your business, lady? Um, so this does actually, so quick little baby story. Several years ago, I was at a makeup, or at a convention called Monster Palooza, which is all horror Oh, film. yeah monsters um it's also kind of like a mecca for makeup artists that do special effects and stuff it's just that entire community is that your first con like your first convention you've been to other conventions right oh you haven't i I think that's actually the only convention i've been to is monster Oh, okay that's like your that's like the hair and makeup comic con (laughs) like that's like the special effects makeup comic con (laughs) 
Yeah, because like there's a couple of other makeup conventions, but this one is very unique. And that most of the makeup conventions, like you have eye mats, which is okay. really it's like strictly a makeup artist convention. Um, sorry, can you hear screaming children in the background? No, they're no. quiet now. No. Right, great. Yeah. Um, so Monsterpalooza is great though because it's just kind of an overall love of horror films so you get kind of a unique meshing of people but you'll go and there's people like tom sabini and rick baker and glenn hendricks just walking around the convention yes not even doing a demo they're just also there hanging out checking shit out it's amazing um if you're into makeup wow. horror effects or just horror films i highly re recommend going um but i went and i was watching a demo by this one girl and one of her pieces of advice that I thought was so great, and this goes across the board for everyone, is if you can figure out a side hustle that uses the skills that your regular job uses and figure out a way to incorporate that into something else, you will have so much more success. The idea being is it keeps you sharp on your skills. And also, as we've talked about, is you will randomly have downtime in the industry. It's like creating an entrepreneurship with your skill. Ah, oh, fucking genius. God damn it. It's such a small thing if you can figure out, because even like realistically, you doing this podcast, right. it's that same sort of concept. It it's is. still keeping you engaged in what you love and do, but it's a good time fill as well. And hopefully you figure out a way to like monetize it in some way. Like that's the dream. Yeah, that's the dream. That's tr truly the dream. I mean, my dream truly is the, uh, is the, uh, Dan, Dan Harmon talked about literally what you just talked about. And it's like his dream. And it's essentially my dream is to make money being lazy. Like I just, I want to make money doing the shit that I love doing. Now being on a film set, you, one might say that's not really lazy. That's just me having fun. That's just me doing what I fucking love doing. And even being a PA, I still, I still enjoy it in some way, shape, or form, even if it's like a really bad commercial that I'm a PA for, fetching coffee for somebody. Yeah, I don't give a shit. It's still kind of fun because somebody fucks up or you see something happen that's magical and you, that's a story you can tell to everybody and shit. It's the best. But you, uh, yeah, like the experiences... Um, for me, I don't know. Like for me, it's, 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 I'm all about that, that, that moment of like, it's like the moment of clarity, like something just clicks and you're just like, Oh fuck, I could do this. Like I can, I can make money doing this. Like I'm actually really good at what I do, you know? And, uh, some people just don't have that. Some people just, you know, just feel like, and some are right, but there's some that are like, you know, like if there's something you feel you can do and you can make money off of it, try to chase after it. You know, why would you stick with your nine to five job when you can say fuck off to that job and do what you want to do? Absolutely. It makes, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, so yeah. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking uh, about unions. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yes. Your, your stuff. Okay. Your stuff. So, since I do special effects, one of the things I do is sculpting and making molds and casting. So I decided to take those skills and make these monster wall plaques. So, so fucking rad. And then we got the creature. 
and the detail too. Uh, how long does it take? Like, how long did it take you to make that creature from Black Lagoon? So I first started working on these because, like, this is the original sculpts that I made. Yeah. Um, I first actually started working on these like two years ago. I just started making them okay. as a practice test for myself. Yeah. And then after I was done with them, I was like, this is kind of cool. So then made the mold and all that. Um, once I, it takes about 30 minutes to cast one of each face since I have a mold of each one. So I can work on them at the same time. So about 30 minutes of casting time. Then you have to let them sit for a while. And then probably painting them as like several hours per piece. That makes so sense. All together, it's about a five-hour process, I'd say. To wow. get like 100% done. Holy shit. That's, that's, that's wonderful, though. So you said uh, starting on Monday, it could be available for purchase. Yes. Where, where can I purchase such, such wonderful product? <laughs> um, you can send me a message. Okay, I'll sign in your DMs, but like, it, oh, yeah. oh, okay. So that's just how, how it's just going to be right now? Like, so, okay. Um, eventually, I might start selling on Etsy as well. The big disadvantage with Etsy is that they do take a percentage off the top of your sales. Um, Etsy also has started doing a couple of weird rules. Like, you don't, you don't get to choose if your work is included in one of their advertisements. Or I think like if your That's account is up. size, you can opt out of being included in ads. So if Etsy features your work, like you know how on Facebook ads, like sometimes you'll have like a thing from like Etsy and it's like 20 different images you can click through. Yeah. So it'll randomly choose to include your work on there, which is great because they're promoting you. If someone clicks through to yours, if at any point in the next month, they go back to your page and buy anything from your shop. Etsy does another fee on top of the percentage that they took. Are you serious? No, come on. That's, that's, too, that's too much skimming. That's too much skimming. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I want to say I saw some, by the end, they're taking something like 20% of the sale. Which for a lot of people, most of the time they can work out what so the content creators are not even making money. Yeah. How, like, I mean, like work, how much your materials are, then your, how much <laughs> your hours are. And then you're typically only actually upcharging maybe 20% from that total cost. So if Etsy <gasps> sent that 20% for them, right. People that are making these products, most of the time they're actually only making a small, small amount on top. Yeah. So that's, so that's barely a profit. Yeah. So for now, I'm just kind of doing direct sales where you hit me up, you give me your mailing address info, and then I send you an invoice and you can either PayPal or Venmo me. And that I'm doing is rad. For, yeah. Hopefully it works. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, are you going to do other characters? Uh, you've done Frankenstein. You did uh, Creature from Black Lagoon. What's, the, what's next of, of the uh, creature so features? The next two I want to do... Um, Right now, like I kind of, I've done these two, and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes before I reinvest my time and money into making mm -hmm. more. But I want to do. I mean, I'm throwing my money at the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Like that's 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 truly remarkable, and but it's one of my favorite Universal monsters. Nothing oh, yeah. against Frankenstein. I fucking I love Frankenstein's monster. I love it, but 
everybody loves the creature. Like that's the, yeah. I thought Frankenstein was going to be like a really popular one. Mm-hmm. No, everyone's been like, I want the creature. Yeah. The so, creature is great, but gonna have to kick up in production. Yeah. Like you, I mean, yeah. Like if you could do like a, you would, I would throw my money at a Dracula too. If you can get a Dracula, dude. Dracula. Might do. The next two I want to do is a Bride of Frankenstein so that you could have like a matching set. Yes, dude. Okay. That's even more dope. (laughs) I want to do also um, the Invisible Man. Invisible Man would be red. Plain black black plank, though, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a it's just a frame Um, and then like I'm gonna charge 75 bucks for this bitch. (laughs) It's like I can't even see it exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was. I came up with that, and I was like, "I could be this asshole." Like, if these do well, and tease that as being the Invisible Man, it's like, no, I know me. I'm gonna fucking spend way too much time figuring something out and sculpting something. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like the artist. <sighs> Who's the artist who made the uh, the like literally painted nothing on the blank canvas and just like. Fucking like made like twenty million dollars. <laughs> Makes me so angry. I re- okay, the quick story. And they're like, I see absence of youth in 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 purity and in, in, in emotion. <laughs> you just some bullshit. In high school, for my birthday, my parents took me to a museum in um, Dallas, and they had gotten like I think the Met in New York was like doing renovations. So they had taken some of their biggest, like, best-known pieces and were doing a countrywide tour of them. So we go, and there's, like, Monet's painting and Van Gogh's, Salvador Dali's, like, all Oh, so classics. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was, like, modern art or something. Yeah. Okay. Where, like, you kind of, like, the idea was you were almost, like, getting a taste of the Met, like, all their different exhibits. I see. Okay. You kind of go room to room and each room has a different sort of like theme and like face to it. Yeah. So all the way through amazing, beautiful paintings. And we get to the very last room, which is modern art. I was so fucking mad. It's just like a chair with a microphone dangling over it and shit. (laughs) I walked in and to my right of the door was a white canvas painted white (laughs) called the red bird. Red bird, and you see the red bird, don't you? If you pay attention close enough, and you close your eyes, and you imagine. To my left was another <laughs> white canvas painted white called the twin. All right, now you're fucking with me. Are you serious? 100% serious. So I was already mad. Uh, two white canvas painted <laughs> So then I walk in, kind of like befuddled, trying to like figure everything out. Then I got yelled at by a security guard because I had not realized that the 10 copper tiles in the center of the room on the floor were an art installation and I was walking on the art. Are you fucking kidding? They didn't even section it off? Like, they didn't even, like, put ropes or anything? If they had, I didn't see them. Well, yeah, well, and also, yeah, we're, yeah. If anybody knows us in real life, we're two oblivious people, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, like, but it, I find that hilarious. Like you'd even walk three feet inside the modern art exhibit and you already got furious. I was so angry. And this was me at like 15. 
already full of like teenage rage. It's like and you, you see the garbage like, receptacle and you're like, this is art, right? Yeah. You know, like this, this, you bastards. Well, I took a Coke can and I sat it on top of the trash can instead of in the trash can. Whoa. Art. And that's the, uh, I, th- I believe that's the, uh, the subtext of the, uh, you know, the, the class division of, of our world, you know, the, uh, the trash lower class and the, the 2% on top, you know. What do you mean? The symbology. Some, some symbolism. <laughs> the, the symbology. It's all symbolism. bullshit. It's all bullshit. Listen, listen, uh, we're, we're artists ourselves. Okay, we're we're very much in in the industry of creativeness, right? But you gotta admit, you gotta admit, you walk into a room and there's two canvases that is a red bird painted white, a white blank white canvas, and twins on the opposite side. I held on to my anger over this art exhibit. Oh. About, but I held on to it so much that in college, I wrote a paper in one of my writing classes uh-huh. about how modern art was not art. That's did how you really? I was. Yes, and I got an A on that paper. You did? Oh, wow. I was going to say, did you get like a, a, a professor who is like, I think your taste in uh, this opinion of the matter is ridiculous, and I'm giving you a D. <laughs> no, because it was a writing class. So I see. What, okay. It, as long as it was written well and thoroughly. And so usually, no matter the subject, if it's written well. Mm-hmm. And most of the yeah. time, like, you could turn in like a couple of drafts of it they'd give you notes and then, or like you could turn in your paper, you'd get a grade. If you weren't happy with your grade, you Mm -hmm. could resubmit it based off of their notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was the one time I turned my paper in and I got like a 90 something on the first draft. And I was like, because you just went popping off on them. (laughs) So many thought through arguments and it was so well written. I'm telling you, like, if, if I need a debate team, I'm going to put you in, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you, like, my Peyton Manning of, of, <laughs> of debaters. Like, I'm just going to put you right in the first string, man. <laughs> you know? It's like, I'm going to... I think both of us missed our calling to be filibusters in politics. We would rock that out. Well, I just... Here's the thing. Here's the difference between you and I, though, Roxy. You, you, you're... Yours, how you explain things is almost like an educational service. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you learn a thing or two. It's like, oh, shit, I didn't know that, you know? But when you have a conversation with me and I just go popping off on something, it's like, I guess this guy is upset about Rocky Three. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> you don't get it. Mr. T doesn't make sense. Like, you just, like, I just go popping off, dude. I just go mad. Well, you provide an education and you're like, here's why this is bad. You know, here's why modern art sucks. Here's why people think they love modern art, you know? And this is why they're dumb. For me, it's just like, you know, like the re- like my philosophy behind Pineapple Express, you know? It's just like, Pineapple Express is my Citizen Kane. <laughs> so you, all right, confession real quick. Sure. I hate pineapple express hey you know what and that's fine 
that's fine because let me tell you something pineapple express should be a hated movie it should be it oh yes it should be because pineapple express is one of those movies that it only caters to one thing stoners people like me it's only caters to people like me who will sit through a movie and watch and it just like shoots on every trope of stoners and stoner movies and how like you know bad guys you know almost win but then the good guy wins in the end and stuff like that so like turns it's like this weird buddy cop movie you know between uh seth rogan and uh james franco but uh all in all yeah it's not a good you don't here's the thing you don't watch sharknado because it's a masterpiece right you don't go to taco bell because you want authentic mexican food right you don't (laughs) you get what i mean though right but i know so many people that they're like oh my gosh it's so funny it's one of the funniest movies that aren't even stoners though so i went into this movie being like oh this is gonna be really good really funny and the whole time i was like this isn't that funny to me yeah, well, because the humor it caters to 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 that, you know, and and to Seth Rogen, like he makes that comment too. He's like, it's not for non stoners. It's it's for it's for the people who are stoners, or they just like to make fun of that culture, or just understand that culture is just ridiculous. I'm not gonna lie, it is. <laughs> It is. There's a lot of people who are just like, yo, you are on another level. You think you think I smoke a lot, Roxanne? Let me tell you something. There's people who smoke more than their own body weight. No, that's too much. There there's people who are just like they'll they'll smoke like three grams a day. And it's just like, how do you do that? And for for those of you who don't know, that's like about like third that's like a pack of cigarettes that are joints. <laughs> like that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. You're blasting off. Like I'm, you know, you, you How can, do you function with that much. Like, or is that the, Oh, very easily, but really? you know, it, yeah. But again, it comes to tolerance, right? It comes to, to how often you do it. This is now becoming like a weed show. I'm sorry, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we, we won't have to dive into this topic of fucking discussion. Welcome to the Adam Roxy show. We talk movies. We talk in depth. We talk weed. We talk weed. You know, most important. It's important. You know, it, it gets you. It gets your creative. You get your creative mind flowing. It gets you. Gets you a little bit more open. It re- makes you appreciate things so much more. Sometimes you just like text, like, made me like, like. I'm not gonna lie. This quarantine has got me good. It's got me good, but it is also gave me the ability to not right my wrongs, but acknowledge my wrongs. You know what I mean? Like the, the amount of times I fucked up, I can just like kind of sit back and understand like, Oh yeah, I probably wasn't good around that time. Or like, I was probably like an asshole. It's like, I probably shouldn't have made fun of her for not watching, for never watching, you know, Iron Man, you know, or never seen Star Wars, you know, you probably shouldn't make fun of people who never seen Star Wars. Come on. But man, back. Listen, Roxy, 19 year old Adam, he would agree with you right now. 
He would agree with you. He'd be like, yeah, uh, you agree. You get it. Fucking people need to see Star Wars, you know, people. And I I went as far as like getting myself a fucking tattoo, you know, but there's people who just never seen Star Wars. And I just have to understand those people are psychopaths. No, I'm kidding. They're not psychopaths. They're, They're perfectly fine people. Um, and you know, some, sometimes, you know, some people just never seen star Wars Roxy. And sometimes the people just want to watch the world burn, you know, <laughs> Fair. that's all I have to say, but I don't argue people anymore who never seen star Wars. You know, I used to, I used to though. I used to get into just major right there and make them watch it. Yeah. I used to get into heavy, like, uh, uh, film, arguments but i only get in those arguments to people who actually work in the industry like you know you know uh people who you know who enjoy movies who respect the art of cinema like you do you know you respect the art of cinema you you love film and television just as much as any other bloke but um there's a respect level to it and i feel like not a lot of people understand that and I was having this conversation with my mom not too long ago, actually. And then we'll, we'll get back into hair and makeup stuff. I'm sorry. But this is my first digress, okay? Um, it's, it's the fact that, like, people judge only by what they see. And there's nothing particularly wrong with that. But when you make your first movie or you're on a film set, your very first set, you, re- you quickly realize making movies really fucking hard. It is super fucking hard. So yeah, you can take a movie like Sharknado and say, wow, that movie is a hot pile of garbage. You know, people can say that. We also got to understand making that shit, you had to put in effort. Imagine that 30 days of making Sharknado. Imagine Every day you wake up, your call time, you have to show up and you have to make a fucking flying shark movie, <laughs> you know, and you just had to, that's a normal work day. That's a normal work day. And okay. you just, you learn to deal with it. They're not, they, they understand what they're getting themselves into. They're not a bunch of idiots. We've told you stories from, uh, when we, Christine and Kelly worked on terror birds, right? So it's great. You know what, Kelly? Or Kelly. Why did I call you Kelly? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That was bad. That was really bad. But I'll redeem myself because you just gave a great segue, Roxy, into what I wanted to discuss, which is short films. So Terror Birds. What what about Terror Birds? That is uh, wild. So Terror Birds wasn't a short film. It was a feature film that we did. Feature. Okay. And it was just that thing like, it is about prehistoric birds that are called terror birds they are real creatures that used to exist just like and teenagers that stumble across them and the like running around through the forest massacre that happens and it's it's ridiculous and it was just one of those films where like like you said like every day showing up it's like all right so today uh the terror bird rips someone's head off so let's all <laughs> cool. So today, uh, the terror birds chasing the five kids through the field, and then they gotta run up the trees and take cover. One of the birds is gonna grab someone's leg and like 
rip a chunk out of it when they're up in the tree. It's ridiculous and insane. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that's an actual work day. That's a work day. Yeah. It's so insane. And we were shooting this in the middle of Texas during, I think, August or September, hottest part of the year, outside, miserably hot and humid. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories from that set. Uh, from Terrorbirds or what do you mean? Terror Birds, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was the makeup department head. Uh, mm -hmm. Christine was the first AD. And Kelly, I think she was a PA, but I think she did like start dabbling in some of the art department stuff on that one as well. Right. Because that one where I got hired on first and then when they needed recommendations because most of the production team was from out of state when they needed recommendations for like an AD and stuff, I referred Christine and then Christine brought on Kelly. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Which, by the way, this is why it's really important to network and get to know people on set because we all bring each other on your little gem of wisdom for those new to film. It's so important to network. And, um, Sorry, I wrote I wrote terror birds down. So because this is actually important to talk about, I'm I'm actually serious. Networking is very important in the film industry, but not only just networking, understanding to empower each other, to bring each other up, and to understand that it egos it just can't be a thing. You know, it just like you're you you you're immediately humbled when you're when you're on a film set, regardless if you like it or not. Um, mistakes happen and you just learn to uh, live with those mistakes. But the most important thing about filmmaking that I've learned and I didn't know was that there's so much more respect for people who empower each other rather than the people who only look out for themselves and only get the jobs for themselves. Because I noticed that the people, even if it's like stupid PA jobs that other people probably won't take, it's still nice to offer it. If you can't take it, it's like, hey man, I can't make it this day, but I know you, if you need extra cash, like this is, you know, hundred bucks, whatever, um, go for it, you know, or, and sometimes they just won't accept it. But that's the point. That's the whole point of, of networking and sharing each other's interaction. I feel like a lot of us do have that, but there's, I bet you there's a ton of fucking people in Los Angeles who don't do that. And there's probably a ton of people here in uh, Austin who just will never network and just won't talk to people. And they're just sort of the lone wolves. There's nothing wrong with that, but I, I truly don't feel like you get a lot of shit done doing that. It's a lot harder to go that way because most of the time, like your skills going to get you so far. It is a lot of who you know and who likes being around you. Because when you're working for 12 plus hours a day, overnight, in terrible conditions, yes, you want to know the person that you're there working with is good at their job and they're going to do their job. But realistically, there's a certain point where it's like, there's going to be five people that are all just as good, that are all going to deliver on what the job requires. But you want to be there with someone that you know is going to support you someone that you know you're going to get along with, someone you know that's not going to bring in a bunch of baggage and attitude with them. So that's where networking, but networking in a genuine way matters. Because you also a, meet yeah. people that, that like, you can tell as soon as you meet them, they're like, hi, 
I'm so-and-so. I do this. Oh my God, you worked on that right. project. That's amazing. We should totally work together more. Look, what's your information? You know, I heard about this project. I think that'd be so great. I think I would fit it in this many ways. Those are people who are, they're networking in a very artificial way. They don't actually care about the people they're with. They don't care about making genuine bonds. They care about getting ahead. No one wants to yeah. be around that person because that's also typically the person that's going to throw you under the bus in the first chance they get. It's You're right. It's more important to be around people that are like, hey, I heard you worked on this project a while back. That was amazing. This work was really great. How was that? Did you like it or what did you learn? Like having true, genuine conversations will get you so much further. And I, I, you're, you're so right. I, and yeah, and I, and I, I, I will rephrase what I say. I, it is different because artificial, no, I'm serious. Like artificial networking is probably the most gross way of not just networking, but just meeting people. You know what I mean? Just like just I interacting with a human being. It's just like, it's like talking to a robot. It's like, I don't want to fucking talk to you right now. You know, it's just like you're, even if they're hot, it doesn't matter. Like, you, just, you don't want to deal with it. It's just like, yikes. It's like, they're great to look at, but then once you start having a conversation with them, man, that sounds so mean. I'm sorry. I don't mean it that way, but like, yeah, like, listen, like, I know, I know, I know all of you sons of bitches. <laughs> I know all you people. I know all you people at one point at one point I've seen an attractive person walked up to them and started talking to them immediately regret talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't tell me you never had that. Oh no. hundred percent. Like everyone has. You just do it and you're like, Oh, I can't have a conversation with you. So I, I'm good. Find <laughs> the eyes. Gotcha. Cool. Taking that as my cue to leave. I gotta go. And some there's some guys, and I bet some women, but there's a lot of guys who just don't take that as a red flag. They're just like, okay, but, you know, it's like I'm just gonna still <laughs> chase after oh. that shit. Hashtag me too. <laughs> but uh, to go back to the shorts for Terror Birds, um, you were talking about uh, you were talking about how. There's a, so this was a feature. Was there a lot of people on this crew? Was it just, yeah. uh, yeah. Okay. Cause it was like, um, I don't remember the budget or anything, but it's like kind of on the scale of like a lifetime channel movie. Would be. Mm. So it was like kind of made for TV sort of thing. Um, gotcha. Like the best case scenario for that film would have been if they'd been able to sell it to like sci-fi channel or something mm -hmm. like that. I don't think they ended up getting any sort of distribution deals like that. I think it ended up just being like a uh, direct to download off of Amazon Prime sort of thing. Nice. Um, there's actually a, uh, I mean, uh, was there anything more on Terror Birds you wanted to talk about? Because I, there, was a, there was another short film I wanted to jump to, to talk about. Let's jump to it. Um, <clears throat> there was one BTS that came out that got a shit ton of traction on the get realism's Instagram. And it, it has sparked a, a major, not a major. <laughs> let me, let me, let me rephrase that. It got the most traffic it's seen, um, in terms of view counts with BTS of Shakespeare on the range. Um, I wanted to specifically this, uh, squib scene, uh, 
between you, uh, that you set up for, it was like the, it was like a exchange of gunfire. Yeah. It was an exchange of gunfire flashback. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. That okay. looked like a very fun fucking day. <laughs> that day was one of, there's the one most- comment. There was one comment someone made and it said, uh, Hey, you're going to, you're going to absolutely love this. Oh God. There's one comment. It was like, whoever the hair and makeup lady doing the special effects looks absolutely exhausted. <laughs> that was one of the most stressful days of my life. Oh, that's because, great. So you do look like you, you, you just, you were in like a, you were in a zone. Oh. You just, you weren't, you weren't paying attention to nothing to no one. <laughs> I also remember, like, looking back, like, like I said, this was one of the most stressful days of my life. I was so run down. So it's Shakespeare on the Range. Let's back up a little bit. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Projects where when I think back on it, I don't know how the fuck we pulled it off to the extent that we did. And I don't, we should not have been able to have done what we did. Because it's one of my favorite shorts, and it's not only shot beautifully, but it, it it was shot like as if like you're filming like a like a pilot or something like a like a high budget pilot, and it's I don't know it was it was shot beautifully. The story was excellent. The action, the firefight scene, oh man, the flashback, like it was great. Like it was shot wonderfully. Was so little, truthfully. Because Truly. I, th- I think like the total budget might have been five thousand dollars. I think I could be mm. wrong on that, but I know we made it. It was made for next to nothing. Because uh, year before, from LA Film Prize, Christine had got one of like their filmmaker grants. So I think she was like had five thousand dollars to work with from them, <coughs> and then she might have spent some over that. Yeah, um, it was mostly volunteer work for all of us. And that we all just showed up, contributed our time, and didn't get paid. Um, but so it was a crazy ass experience, though. Crazy ass experience. I want to say, like, the main crew, we had maybe less than 10 people behind mm. the scenes. And, like, our first day we show up at a prison, we have to figure out how to make everything work. We were doing everything. We had like something like, God, like 20 background actors show up. I was the hair and makeup person, special effects person. And I didn't have any actual makeup assistance either. Mm. We just had our couple of PAs. And basically it was a thing where Christine was like, okay, Roxy, here's two PAs. Tell them what you need them to do. Yeah. And we <laughs> tattoos on everybody. Like That's right. I, when I need to take control of a situation because you even dress people, Anton in tattoos on his face. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like straight up thug. Since I'm a very tiny person, yeah. I get lost in the room easily. Mm-hmm. So at one point, I remember I stood on a table and started to yell out things to people. I was like, if you have lines at any point in the film, I want you to stand over here. If you do not have lines and there are therefore a background actor, I want you to form a line over there. And just There's like a couple of people on that set who are like, who's saying that? 
<laughs> so fucking rude. <laughs> we just had to do what we had to do and just start slapping tattoos on people. Yeah. Um, so by the time we got to the blood gag day, mm-hmm. I think it was like three or four days in. We'd already been doing 12-hour days. It was exhausting work. A lot of times we were in locations. And it's eight. Shreveport, Louisiana, which is yeah. hot. Oh, Real hot. Yeah. So we get to the blood gag day. And we are shooting like four or five different flashbacks in four or five different locations. Mm, that's right. Oh, Each one had like, I think the smallest scene had like four actors most of them had more, and we had one, two, three, four different blood gags that day. Shit. And I was doing it with no one that was experienced working with blood gags or makeup. So that is why in that video, I look like living in death and like I'm about to slap somebody because I do remember, and I do apologize to him now, uh, Mateus, who was shooting the BTS footage, who was also our AD. Yeah. At one point, I know I like ripped into him <laughs> because I was trying <laughs> to make these blood gags like on, in the alleyway. I'm literally pouring blood into bags and uh, twist, attaching them to tubes. And he comes over with his camera and starts sticking it like right into what I was doing and asking me questions. And so I know at one point I looked and was like, dude, you need to get the camera out. He was like, well, no, but this is cool. It's cool. It's like, I don't care. I don't want this on camera. These are trade secrets or some bullshit like that. I don't want it out there. How to do this? I don't want to talk right now. Let me do, do my job. Get your camera out of here. Yeah. That's... So Rendell, don't have it in me right now to have this conversation. And for those of you who, who don't understand, to have a camera shoved in your face at a very stressful situation, like dealing with squibs and blood, by the way, Blood is not like, blood is not like something like you, br- like, like you drop cheat, like, uh, like some crumbs, like on your shirt. It's not like something you can just dust off. That's just not, it's so intricate. And so if you, if you get blood everywhere, it's like mess. You, it's hard to fucking clean. You can't, you know, so, <laughs> so the reason why I say this is because I've also got sh- not, I didn't do hair and makeup or anything like that crazy, but, uh, doing a short film and we talked about this a few episodes ago, Christine was doing BTS for a short film that I worked on with, um, uh, a buddy of mine. She, uh, wrote, directed and, uh, starred in her short film and we filmed at the buggy barn and Roxy. Let me tell you something. I love Christine. I love Christine. She's my mentor. She's taught me so much. She's bring, brought me through the thick and thin of, of filmmaking and really taught me the tr- true value of filmmaking. That day when Christine just decided to shove a camera in my face after making a really dumb mistake. And here's what the dumb mistake was. When I was walking, when I was going into the buggy barn and a lot of people don't know the buggy barn is located in Blanco, Texas. Shout out to buggy barn, Amanda running that shit. Homie. She's truly dope. Um, 
we there was a day where uh we were shooting like where there was a bunch of horses and stuff and like we were shooting in this creek area and uh there's a ditch where there's a gate where you open and the horses can go in and out if you need like train it but if you let the gate out it goes into a path onto the street now the street is really far fucking away so the horses would have to fucking run so oh man it makes me so upset even saying this but i was going down and i opened the gate there was someone else behind me and i couldn't make out who it was but i assumed there was someone who was working at the buggy barn because i recognized some people working there and the guy just literally waved me on. He was in the driver's seat and I got out and I was going to close the gate behind me. And he was like, like, just kept like, wave me on, just go. I'm like, okay. So I went and I got all the way to the end of the Creek, which by the way is like half a mile. It's really fucking far. I, the gates wide fucking open and the horse, all of the horses just fucking decided to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh god horses are fine everything is fine Great. everything's good now that being said I shitting purple bricks I'm <laughs> just shitting purple bricks right now okay and I ran I drove my car and by the way half of the crew were also running as well to help me out trying to gather the horses now I'm a city kid. I came from I came from Oakland, California, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, do you think I'd be running around with some motherfucking horses? Oh my god, I love it! So I'm shitting purple bricks. I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking. I'm shaking, and I I had to explain. I had to explain to Paula, who is an absolute G. She's also runs the uh, the buggy barn. I had to explain to her, like, I am so sorry. And she was like, no, the horses were fine. You know, we got the horses back. It's all good. Thank God we did. But I was in sheer panic. Like, you, you wouldn't believe. It was like, it was a good solid two minutes of just, like, sheer panic. Just me just, like, shitting m myself. And I got all the way back to the creek. All is said and done. Christine shoves a camera in my face and she's like, so you let a whole bunch of horses out. How do you feel right now? Mm -hmm. It was a bad day. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad day. It was such a bad day. And I was like, Christine, my face was red. I'm like, Christine, I'm... I'm fighting every bone in my body not to fucking pop off right now. So I think I'm going to walk away and shove a donut in my face and calm down. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. Because at that moment, fat Adam came back up and he was like, you got to eat some feelings, my man. Get some donuts. You're feeling all the feelings. He was like, you got to go. Oh. Yeah, that is... Yeah. It's better to stuff your face with food and just breathe and relax than to just pop off on somebody. Because here's the thing, though. Like, the days that people want to film BTS footage mm -hmm. are when there's crazy things that are happening. <laughs> <laughs> the crazier something is, the more stressful it is. Yeah. Like it's, but it's also always like, it's the coolest looking things. It is. So cool. It That's is cool. cool. And that flashback scene in Shakespeare, man, was just so fucking rad. 
it was like a gun. It was a firefight that looked that looked professional. <laughs> like it looked like you guys rehearsed it for months, even though it was like literally minutes. <laughs> I don't know how we pulled that off. I do not know how you guys pulled it off, but it looks phenomenal. Truly. And I'm not even making that shit up. Like, it's, it's, it truly looks really fucking good. But you guys did it in such an impromptu way, you know? So we did that one that day, and then we still had to go to another location after that yeah. and do a blood gag. Another blood gag because you uh, already one day wasn't fucking excruciating enough. <laughs> Let's do another day, Roxy. Or no, this was the same day. Oh, the same day. Oh man, dude. So just so, let's just wait. So hang on. How how much of a nightmare was the costume department dealing with all the blood? Not. I don't know. I don't think it was too terribly bad. Like it was a so lot. So did somebody was like on, was somebody on standby with a like a tide to go washing them clothes and shit. It landed <laughs> at out a laundromat. Like, <laughs> of um, like okay, how many shirts? How many of the same shirts can we get? Can we do? Right. And it was basically we could go as we could do as many takes as we had shirts. Uh huh. And so I think wow. we ended up doing for each blood gag. We did like in that alleyway. I think we did like three or four takes. Oh, okay. Because if if it's possible, you always want to get multiples of it. That way, if something goes wrong, because inevitably something will go wrong, you have more that you can do. So I think with most of them, like if you would do one, it's like okay, that didn't work for X, Y, and Z reasons. Yeah. No, we didn't like how it came out. The timing was weird. Let's do it again. So typically. By the third one, it was worked well enough. It's like, okay, that works. How are we on time? Do we have another shirt? All right, let's just go ahead really quickly, switch it out, do it one more time for safety. Right. So, yeah, wardrobe was great. Ah, God, I can't remember the name of the girl that was doing, because um, we had one person that was there on set doing wardrobe, one person that had like kind of sourced all the wardrobe stuff before. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, and the girl that has sourced everything for one of the guys in the flashback, he was wearing this kind of cool graphic shirt. Yeah. And it was an actually vintage shirt. She actually mm. like hand drew copies of the shirt. I feel so bad for not remembering her name. Yeah. But, but shout out to her. Holy shit. Shout out to her Cause it was phenomenal, especially cause to make the blood gag work. It's not just you rig it up, you shoot. You actually have to cut into the fabric first and mm -hmm. lightly glue it closed so that when you press the trigger, the pressure from the actual blood gag blows the fabric so it looks like there was an impact. Oh, my God. That's a, And it looks so good, too. But you were, like, just right below frame, just, you know, right? So Yeah, yeah well, some the, of them, yeah. The squibs that we were doing, uh -huh. um, and all of them, right out of frame. Because we were using uh, COT, CO2 squibs, which is where literally it's basically a long plastic tube that attaches to a little bundle of blood. And then you have like a bicycle pump almost connected to the end of the tube that has a CO2 cartridge. So you pull the trigger on the bicycle pump, it releases the CO2 through the tube, gets to your little bundle of blood, and it blows it out. So... Wow. On this scenario, and what you have determines how far away or how close you can be. 
um, if you're doing like true like kind of pyrotechnic squibs, which I do not do because it involves actual explosions and hell to the no, I'm not risking that shit. That's where you can actually have someone, you know, 30 feet away with a remote control pressing a button. Right. It's a remote uh, so squib. So shout out to the costume and wardrobe department uh, via IMDB, uh, Denise Hudo and Carol Hall. Um, y'all are a bunch of gangsters. Hell yeah, dude. That's a uh, kill it. I oh oh oh, oh, oh hashtag dad. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, I just imagine like uh, Hank Hill from like King of the Hill, just like cracking a beer. Goddamn, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. All the Bob the. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's like the fact that like you're you're from Texas. I don't know. I I don't know. Who knows? But uh, well, it, Roxy, we've been doing this for an hour and a half. You know? Oh damn. We have. So I think it's time to take this bad boy in for a landing. You want to answer some Instagram questions? Okay, let's do it. All right. Let's. Uh, well. The first step is to not close out the Instagram tab. Small <sighs> My head's not screwed on properly. I fucking lose it. Jesus Christ. Here, while you're pulling that back up. Um, yeah. So the blood gag day. So like I said, we had to go back to a different location entirely, shoot another blood gag where it was a woman getting shot in the chest in the house. Mm-hmm. So that was all the oh, same man. day. God. And that was our last shot of the day. We did it once. It didn't work super well. And it was a thing like, I remember it was like me, Kelly, Christine, and our DP um, all standing around. And they were like, yeah, it's okay. I mean, we could do it in post, you know? And I like basically had to like plead with them. I was like, let me do it again. It was like, I know what I did. I can fix this. I'm pretty sure I know what I did. Let me try this one more time. I think I can make it work. And had to like kind of negotiate for another chance to do it because everyone was so tired. I think that day we did over 12 hours. It was such a long day. And we did it and it worked out great. Other than the problem was, because most locations don't want you to have blood everywhere for natural reasons. So we put a beneath where the woman was standing. We shot up the blood. And it was a thing where I was like, my logic was because we hadn't had enough blood the first time. I was like, I'm going to keep pushing blood until I hear the word cut. Like there's no like hesitation. We're going to keep going and going and going. So shot happens. She reacts. She slams against the wall, then like slides downwards out of frame. When she slid downwards, she moved the tarp with her legs to expose the floor. Oh shit. And of course, it's the one section of floor that had been so cleaned and polished. It wasn't polished. It was raw wood. It had been replaced at some point. Oh. If it was polished, it would have been better because you could have wiped it up easier. Yeah. It was raw wood. It absorbed everything. Shit. So, me, Kelly, and Christine then like had to, we were like, this is fine. This is fine. Here, go into the bedroom. You go change. And the three of us are frantically cleaning this floor. 
and just it was like, like all hands on deck like it was like if you guys wasted another second it would have like it would have been doomed you know and like we were doing Shit. like paper towels of uh, the weirdest trick with blood to get it to like pull up yeah cheap shipping cream really it's something about like like a barbasol can and just fucking go to town shit that'll work on skin and everything like if you ever get the red stain use that to help absorb it and literally like if you have like a blood patch of stain you can put like a dollop on it and you'll just start to see the red like move up into the foam it's crazy it's really cool you see ladies and gentlemen this is why roxy teaches and i'm just like listen (laughs) people are stupid I think you should be the new host of the show. No. We balance each other. That's true. That's true. We frantically cleaned up, and it was at that point, like, the three of us were saying, like, I think we got it all. You can still kind of see, but I don't, and someone like, walked by, and they're like, you guys are, yeah, you're fine. No one's going to fucking notice that at this point. But we were like, so, like, at every stain. So yeah. we were dead tired. And it was a thing, like, because we were all so tired when the blood gag happened the second time, everyone was like, we got it, great, go home. So in my head, I was like, no one's happy about it. It didn't work right. They're still not happy. So I just remember driving back to the house where we were all staying at, pulling up in front of the house, parking, and then sitting and crying in my car for, like, 30 minutes. Because <laughs> it, was, it was that thing of, like, just pure exhaustion and the yeah. adrenaline and my body just going, like, we're done. Yeah. Dude, I've, I've, oh man. In films until you've sat in your car crying at the end of the day. And I ha- I was trying to think, I'm like, I, I don't, I, I know it's more than once I've done that on a, on a film set. I know it's more than once. It was, and I think it was like right before I even started driving home. It was like, all right guys, call it wrap. Yay, everyone's done. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm just like trudging along with my toolkit, dragging myself, getting inside the car taking one deep breath and I just fucking crack, dude. I just like, it is a right of crying in your car from a production is a rite of passage. I've cried in my car many times. Drive throughs. (laughs) (laughs) I have a great drive through crying story for sure. But yeah, no, I, you're right. It's a rite of passage. Like if you, if you worked in film and you just worked those long 13 hour days and you think like you, you're trying to get something right, but you just don't get, (laughs) you don't quite get the reaction you want from the person you want. And then it just becomes shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just sit there and you just sulk in the madness (laughs) <laughs> and then you just get inside and I just get inside my car and I'm just like, I think my career is over. <laughs> yep. I think we're just gonna, <laughs> I think it's gonna hang my hat here now. Get into filmmaking guys. It's great. It's totally fun. You're not going to have. <laughs> yes, you are. You will, you will but that's, that's see. And there's a thing of like why unions are the way they are and why filmmaking is the way it is. If you can hang, filmmaking is for you. If you yeah. can't hang, if you just get to the point where you break down and you just cannot stand it, it's almost like life-shattering to you. Because to us, we just... <laughs> the next day, the next day we grab a fresh pair of undies and we repeat the same old fucking day again. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And we just, it, because right. we do it because we love it. We don't do it because we want to, we're masochists. We just want to fucking torture ourselves. We're not that. We're not fucking psycho. Well, That's hang on. Maybe some people. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe some people. <laughs> I do it because I love making all this shit with friends, you know, with people who also enjoy this shit like you and Kelly, Christine, so many, so many others as well. And they are in it not because, you know, well, it's just a paycheck or, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something to get me by or it's like a hobby. No, this is our fucking lives and we love it. This is, this is the filmmaking passion that we have. So the reason There's why we paycheck Yes, yes, yes. But also, yeah, yes. But we, we also sit there, and the reason why is because we love it. We don't sit there and cry and, you know, be out our fists to the steering wheel because, you know, we, we think, you know, filmmaking's okay. No, we fucking love it. Like, it's, it's, our, it's our absolute passion. You're a filmmaker. I'm a filmmaker. We're all filmmakers, you know, and we all just generally want to make dope ass art. And sometimes it's just going to beat the shit out of you. hundred percent. And it's up to you if you're willing to wake up the next day and do it all over again. Welcome to the film industry kids. Welcome to the film industry. By the way, if you do what you love, uh, you wouldn't, uh, is it, you wouldn't work a day in your life? No, that doesn't make, yeah. Is it? If you do what you love, you wouldn't work a, yeah. You'll if never you work you a day in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Whatever the fuck that means, but I just know I love what I do. And, um, it's absolutely fun. And there's a lot of people who are like, fuck this, a film set is not for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Maybe post-production's for you, or maybe pre-production's for you. Who knows? Either way, still important. Whether you're doing principal photography, post, or pre, doesn't matter. It, uh, it's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> Respect your filmmakers. Um, and uh, yeah, do just don't be an asshole. You know? Uh, let's get into... Did I ask the first question? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. We're now almost we're an hour, 45 minutes, almost a two-hour podcast. Get around, you guys. Listen, guys, it is what it is. This is a free podcast. We're giving you free education, and we're broadcasting this, okay? This is amazing education. So if anybody is in the film industry or in a creative industry thinking about joining a union, this is fantastic information for you. You don't need to be a hair and makeup to know how to rock. You just need to have that, you know, fucking good old passion, energy. And God, I'm kidding. <laughs> What's the question? Do the question. All right, we got a question from Heather. She wants to ask, uh, actually, it ties in perfectly. Um, we sort of answered this, I guess. Um, do you need education in order to work hair and makeup? Roxy? No. Yes. You have to figure out what's best for you. Because sure. there's some people that they really, they need someone to tell them, like, this is the steps, this is the order, this is how you get this effect. Mm -hmm. Other people are better at learning by doing. 
So you really have to kind of figure out what kind of a person you are and what's going to kind of benefit you. The other thing I will say that's the biggest thing that I've gotten from friends that have gone to makeup schools, because there are programs you can go to specifically to learn makeup. Um, Tom Savini, he has a school, I believe it's in Pittsburgh. Does he really? Um, that's dope. There's the Tom Savini School of Special Effects Makeup. Hell yeah. Um, there's Cinema Makeup School in LA. There's Mud Makeup School. Um, IE is another one. So there's a lot of different programs you can go to. And they're going to teach you a lot of things. And the biggest thing from friends that have gone to them have been the fact that you walk out of them with a lot of people that you know and with a lot of connections. And as we talked about earlier, having a network and having connections can really, really, really help. Not artificially. Not artificially. But, but yes. Connections, which I Genuine. feel like a lot of you do when you go to school with people, you form those deeper bonds. Right. Um, the other thing I would say is if you can have an idea of what you want to do with hair and makeup, that'll benefit you so much more in deciding on which program's the best for you and if school's the best for you. Um, if you know you love doing hair and that's what you want to focus in on, don't go to one of those makeup schools I mentioned. Hair is going to be a very small part of them you'll be much better off going and getting a cosmetology license. Because mm. also, let's say you love doing hair, you want to do hair, you want to join the film union, and you want to be a hairstylist specifically. You are required to have a cosmetology license to do hairstyling. Right. Um, one of the interesting things that we didn't talk about earlier when we talked about unions was the mm. fact that the local 706 in LA, it is the hairstylist and makeup artist union. It's one union for the two positions. However, you do not do both when you're in the union. You do one or the other because they are two completely separate jobs. Oh. Realistic, on most film sets, they should always be two separate jobs. In indie low-budget world, there's not the money to do two positions, typically. So one person will do both. Um, I know for myself, I always tell people I am a makeup artist that can do some basic hairstyling. So you'll notice a lot of times if I am the hair and makeup artist, the makeup is great. Right. The hairstyle tend to be very simple. Yeah. Because I don't have the time to do elaborate makeup and elaborate hair. So that's and why sometimes independent shoots can only afford one at a time. So you just sort of have to like, which, which one would you rather have? Would you want a leniency on hair? Would you rather have a leniency on makeup? Yeah, it all depends. <clears throat> so you can go the way of going to school. And like I said, just think through what you want to do ultimately and what you want to kind of focus in on. That'll help you decide on a program. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, depending on where you live, the best thing for you to do might just be to kind of learn by doing. Like, if you can't afford to go to a makeup school and you can't afford to move out of state, depending on where you live, unfortunately, there won't be a lot of options in a lot of places on going and getting a education on makeup. The best, like, I learned by working in a makeup store doing retail makeup and then on the side going and working productions. And that's how I learned. Right. Just building that experience, starting from nothing, and then you just, each set, you just get that much better each and every time. It's the best way you can do it. Great question. Great question. 
Great answer, too, Roxy. Thank you. I like the question. Uh, okay, next question is... Uh, now in a COVID world, how have you been practicing safety doing hair and makeup slash... Wait. How are you practicing safety doing hair and makeup slash makeup? Okay. Uh, yeah. I so do with, with that what you will. <laughs> so naturally with COVID, uh -huh. it's changing across the board. For every department, there's new rules, there's new regulations. Um, hair, makeup, wardrobe, and also sound are actually the three departments that are kind of directly having to be the most in, and talent having to do the most in harm's way because unfortunately for all those positions there's really no way of maintaining social distance it's also a thing we're working directly with talent which is going to be the most vulnerable and typically they can't always be wearing masks when we're working around them um i can't do makeup on someone's face if they weren't masked so they have to take that off yeah oh um, there are a lot of rules that and things are being figured out. We are still kind of in that weird period where we're starting to work, but kind of, sort of, only a little bit. So I think we are at a point where things are evolving. Um, the biggest things are just basic sanitation. If something has been used on someone, it doesn't get used on anyone else until it's Throw proper. Throw it out. Yeah. Like disposables, trash them. Uh, they are one-time use. Make sure you are depotting any product that you can from the container. So, like, if you're putting lipstick on someone, do not take that lipstick and put it directly on their lips and then use it for someone else. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do is take that lipstick, scrape it onto a palette, then take your lip brush, work off of the palette, and then apply it to that actor. That way you don't have that cross-contamination. Gloves, hand sanitizer, um, just and also the other big thing because how COVID spreads through moisture, is that the right or through like kind of like mucus and spittle basically? Yeah, no, you're right. Moisture. Mm -hmm. Um, when you you'll see if you've ever seen pictures of a makeup bar station, typically it's been we'll have an entire counter laid out with product of palettes, of shadows, of powders, fifty brushes, and a beautiful bouquet. <laughs> That's not how it is anymore. At this point, it's all not in individual containers. It's all in boxes. It's all in bags that you can sanitize and wipe them down. And you take out what you need. You close that container back up. Mm -hmm. You use it on that actor. And then you take those products that you used on them and you put them in a separate pile to be sanitized afterwards. There's... A couple of different resources right now that are honestly fantastic. Um, there's a number of certifications that you can take. So certifications are... There's different stuff. certifications, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think like four or five different companies that are doing different certifications. Um, okay. Most of them are free. So the free ones, because I think that is... Always do the free ones first. Yes. <laughs> is Barbicide has both a regular sanitation one and then also a COVID sanitation one. Lucasol, Milady Pro, um, Safe Sets International. That's one that even if you're not a makeup artist, it's actually just aimed at film production in general, is Safe Sets International. Um, Dermalogica Clean Touch, 
is another fantastic one to do. And then, and all those, those five are all free. And then one that you do have to pay for is Sanitation Conversation. And that one's focused on makeup artistry themselves. Um, and what I would recommend is do what I did, and that is wait for a sale. That way you yes. can... Because they did... They've actually been around, around since before COVID. And I think when they first launched, it was like $50. Post-COVID, they changed some of their program, and it then jumped up to $100 for their certification. But I did it Fourth of July when they had a twenty-five dollar off coupon. That so was much better. So all of those are great. Um, Balling on a budget. Story of my life. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a lot of Instagram accounts you can follow right now. Uh, Create safely is my favorite one, and they're all about basically figuring out different tools and product recommendations for making your workspace as a makeup artist as safe as possible. And a lot of it's just like, hey guys, this makeup artist sent in this video of here's one of their practices that they're doing. And here's this container they got and how they're utilizing it. Um, Daiso right now is a makeup artist's favorite store because it's cheap. And they have so many weird containers that you can utilize for various things. Right. Huh. And I feel like this was a really, really long, rambly answer, so I apologize. No, it wasn't. Well, because it also doesn't just necessarily apply to film sets either. Like, it applies to just safety in general. Like, if somebody's working in fashion, you know, or, uh, you know, just doing any hair and makeup experience, if you have to touch another fucking human being, want to see some papers. Just want to see some papers. Like, this weekend, I'm doing... Um, makeup for an actor doing his headshots mm-hmm. and it was interesting because he reached out to me and i was like yeah i'm available and then he was like oh by the way are you like covid cer- certified that's yeah. the photographer role with the makeup artist is you have to be covid certified and i was COVID like yes certified. here's the five different certifications i need does that cover it it's like a it's like a you know like a, one of those wallets that have like different pictures and stuff it's like you have like oh, a plaque with like the different shits, like let me show you everything. <laughs> yep, hundred percent of what that is. I keep my papers in my back pocket for Plus, a situation like this. <laughs> I've seen some makeup artists, and I'm considering doing it, where they literally print out the different certifications, laminate them, and then put them on like a key ring, so they can be like, uh huh, here we go. Well, yeah, and you know, it feels like that's going. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that takes it a little above and beyond, which I love because that means they're passionate and they just want to ensure safety for everybody. Um, which I know there's probably some people who do ask for that, but if you're one of those people who ask for them certificates, give, give your artists a break. <laughs> now this is where when people right now one of the things i've had a couple conversations with friends about is when we're getting hit up to do free makeup on jobs right now number one always pay your people like if you can try and pay them um number two right now it's really a bad time to expect anyone to be doing free work we haven't had work in months so we're yes we are desperate but we were desperate to make money also 
for a lot of us to actually work safely, we're having to invest so much money into our gear right now. Like, yeah. I've, I've been very hesitant to spend a lot of money because there's some things that I see some people doing that I'm like, I don't know if in six months we're going to need to be doing that. So I'm not going to go and spend $400 on all these things. To just collect dust. Yeah. Yeah. There's now that being said, there's certain things I'm like, okay, that is worth the money. Cause even after this, it's actually probably a good idea. Um, one of the things I'm going to be buying soon that I haven't yet is a UV light box. Mm. That's okay. what it's pretty much at this point, I think going to be a new standard tool for makeup artists, mm-hmm. but those are. And for a dummy like me, what, what is the best use for a UV light? <laughs> So UV light, um, the way they work basically is like, they're almost like mini ovens, honestly, that just do the yeah. UV light that'll okay. kill us. So they're good for non-porous surfaces. So right. it won't kill all the germs and like a cream product. Mm-hmm. However, it'll kill the germs sitting around the cream product. So it's not like you can just pop everything into the UV box and it's all done. Yeah, you still need to be doing safe practices beforehand, not cross-contaminating, wiping it down with the tissue, spraying it with uh, disinfecting alcohol, but then as kind of a final step, putting it in the UV box. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I I did not know that. That's why I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like I know the. I, I know what a UV box does, but I still answered like as I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 good, good purchase, yeah." Yeah, it's, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's like yeah, I made a really exquisite purchase in uh, buying a couple of uh, comic book volumes of uh, you know Preacher, but uh, you know, I uh, I know where I like to spend my money. <laughs> I'm kidding, uh, but hey. That's it for questions, and I think that's it for podcasts. We've gone a solid two hours. Ladies and gentlemen, if you feel like you didn't get enough podcast, I truly don't know what to say. You know, I don't know what to say because we gave you the content, we gave you the time, and we talked to a dope-ass gangsta who is a hair and makeup artist. Well, yeah, makeup artist. Mm. talented and LA based. So anyone from LA got a job for Roxy hit her up. Um, Facebook. We love you. Instagram. Thank you for your questions. But as always, um, yeah, we're going to do this again. Same time next week. Uh, different guest. Uh, maybe, well, who knows, you know, <laughs> who knows we might have good old Roxy again <laughs> because, uh, you know, things just happen. Just things just like slip in the cracks. You know, Christine was supposed to have a triumphant return. Unfortunately, she is caught working. So she needs to, you know, go about her work. I know fucking how dare she, how dare she, how dare she, turn her backs against the fans, but guess who did it? This guy. Okay. I'm here to stay. Okay. <laughs> me and my, me, me and my pajamas are not going anywhere. All right. Your pajamas phone. You're in it for the long run. And I'm in it for the long run. 
I'm here. I'm here to stay. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you again so much, Facebook. Uh, we love you. And that's it for the Get Realism podcast. That's been me, Adam Chase Rennie. Uh, go on GetRealism.com, pick up a Get Realism book. You guys, do I have to keep explaining this? Get yourself the Get Realism's book, okay? I say this every single week, but I'm a broken record at this point, okay? Help out Christine. And, you know, maybe some of you are like, Adam, I don't have the money. Are you stupid or something? Like, who's spending money right now? I get it. I completely get it. But if you want to chase that filmmaking uh, career and you have that much experience, picking up that book is a wise decision, my friend. And while you're there, getrealms.com. Go to uh, Christine's blog. Uh, she made a recent post about working during COVID as a first assistant director. So, and it's been picked up by other news articles and stuff like that. So, oh, that's rad. It is. It, yeah, I, a few articles, like a like a filmmaking article picked, like an online filmmaking article picked it up. And it was like uh, female filmmakers and stuff. So, yeah, good on Christine Chen. Oh, awesome. Follow her on all social media. Go on youtube.com slash Moth to Flame Films. Find all the behind the scenes of Shakespeare on the Range. You can find Rox McDaniel there. Good old Roxy McDaniel uh, looking stressed out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you, see, you can see Matthias, uh, you know, shove a camera in her face and, uh, you know, have a good time. But uh, as always, thank you so much, Facebook. We love you. Goodbye. Bye, y'all. Goodbye.